0: Hey friends, this is Nico, your podcast host, and I am very excited today because this is our very first episode of the podcast, and I had Kendall Martin, our strategically, join us for the first time. I'm going to give you a description of Kendall and also a sense of what to expect on this episode. So Kendall is a former student athlete at UC Santa Barbara, where she threw the javelin for several years. During her time as a student-athlete, she developed a mental health support group for her peers uh, that gave them a sense of community as they pursued their athletic endeavors. After she retired, she gave a TED Talk speech discussing her retirement experiences, as well as some of the mental health issues that can stem from the transition process. Within this episode, we discussed our retirement experiences in depth and looked at some themes in retirement, such as loss of identity, um, having to develop a better relationship with diet, exercise, and then also looked at some of the things that we learned to help us grow on this journey, such as developing a better self-care routine, and then looked at, you know, what that routine looks like. So with that said, let's get into it. Just, you know, speaking a little bit about you, uh, just curious, you know, I know you went to UC Santa Barbara, but, you know, in terms of how long have you been playing your sport, um you know and just a little bit about your background as well within um advocating for athletes.
1: Yeah, so um I've definitely been been an athlete my whole life. Um I feel like basically came out the womb mm-hmm. with with some uh want for for athletics. Um played basketball, volleyball, um track, soccer, um pretty much through high school. It was interestingly enough the javelin though uh that ended up taking me to the division 1 level. Um I did club track and that's kind of where I found the javelin um and I started it purely because I thought it was super awesome like throwing a spear for sport pretty medi- medieval um kind of fun. Uh so started that that took me to the division 1 level. Um and competing in college really showed me um how much the mental game matters and how much I had kind of failed to pay attention to that. I definitely did. I brought all the baggage from high school to college and that was starting to like show up on the field. Um, I wasn't able to separate it any longer uh, with how much pressure was added on at that level. Um, And just with how technical Javelin is, um, it required all of my mental, all of my physical, so much maintenance to keep up with it. Um, And so it was when I got injured, I tore my UCL and my elbow, uh, that it really all came together in terms of being forced to sit down and really do the work that was necessary. And um, that also came with a lot of realization of how much I relied on sport for validation. Um, and just in general, only utilize sport to define myself. Um, so that's where I saw, okay, I feel like this is a general trend in sports to have that be the only thing to define you. Um, as well as there's a lack of resources to, remedy that reality. Um, in my, in my program, my uh, athletic department, um, <clears throat> I definitely saw, um, an opening, uh, a space for there to be more resources. So from there, um, I went on to do my, do my own research, kind of see what was out there, um, see different sports psychologists myself to see kind of how can I, um, better my relationship with my sport to come at it in a healthier way. Um, ended up founding a sports psychology group, um, which ended up being fantastic. We talked about a whole array of mental health issues and, uh, brought in counselors, sports psychologists, um, a bunch of mental health professionals, including athletic trainers to, uh, speak to athletes. Um, and then I also went on to do a TED talk. And um, that detailed kind of my personal journey, kind of my discovery and how identity plays a role in mental health um, and what I felt would be um, beneficial interventions going forward for for athletics.
0: I love that. So did you have any experience <clears throat> or interaction working with um, faculty or professors doing this or was this strictly just kind of like your own initiative?
1: The sports psychology group was my own initiative um I was working with our head athletic trainer, our um counselor for academics, as well as um a therapist as we all like kind of formed a team um and then you know implemented this the group um I did have a mentor in academics uh she guided me through a research project. Um <clears throat> on how psychological rehabilitation after injury is just as important as physical rehabilitation um so in that way, she kind of also informed my um everything I was doing basically um so yeah, there was kind of a there was mentors everywhere uh which was cool
0: absolutely I love that and in a way that is you know just kind of going into for what we have in store today is gonna be. Nice to touch on in the sense that you brought up, you know, that rehabilitation piece in terms of you know your rehab for your injury, but at the same time, it's just as important to make sure that you focus on the the mental side of things as well.
1: Absolutely. And,
0: uh, in terms of you know, from what I understand too, it's like in a way, this change is like a major loss. It's it's like a grieving process, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it's so easy to try to ignore that process because it takes a lot of work and it's also very frightening to us. But at the same time though, it's just prolonging, you know, us be able to move forward into like the next chapter. So that's awesome though. And then, sorry, I just, I'm really just, I love the idea of, you know, your, your peer group here that you created. Is this, is this something that is also currently, I guess, still active at your school?
1: Yes. Um, so that was awesome news to hear from me. Uh, just recently, actually, I, <clears throat> we collected all the data we possibly could on the sport, on the group last year, um, to show, um, administration and then just, uh, general, like, cause we got a, a grant, a mental health grant for the group mm-hmm. that we applied for. So <clears throat> gathered all the data we could and showed, um, you know, how much of a difference it was making, um myself as well as my team members down there who are still there uh there was another athlete um Mary uh she's a water polo player we all worked together submitted a new grant proposal um and it got approved so there's going to be another year of of sports psychology group down there at uh UCSB which is awesome
0: that's awesome oh my gosh yeah <clears throat> and then you know just also looking at other schools too it, it seems like we're starting to see you know a little bit more of these groups starting to uh come up and stuff which yep. is great but i would also say too that it really starts with the athletes pushing this um, as much as we want like leadership or you know or or coaches to to push for this it really has to come from us and i think showing that initiative taking that initiative is really just the first step and that's just it's it's really good to see so yeah yeah cool so um just hitting it off from the very beginning we talk about transition right and transition is really in essence it's i like to think of it as a chapter it's closing your sporting career chapter into the next chapter of whatever you want to do but sometimes though going into the next chapter it either was forced right or it was something that you may have decided to do on your own um do you think that whether you were, a, you know, done on your own versus were forced to retire, do you think that can play into some of the negative effects leading from um, transitioning?
1: Absolutely. Um, and I think this is a really interesting question because, uh, and also not talked about a lot in terms of um, the difference between the types of transition, I think forced transition um Is really tough, really challenging, uh, especially because athletes aren't ready. Uh, Oftentimes, when they're they have to leave via like an injury or just personal reasons, um, they feel like they didn't accomplish their goals, they didn't have time to, um, and because it's out of their control, um, that can increase the feelings of distress and just general anxiety around having to leave something that was so important to you. I think another thing, because that transition is happening prematurely, you're not doing it with a group. It's not like your class is graduating and you're done with college athletics. It's not like your team is, you know, retiring and, um, you know, you're all done together. It furthers the isolation that you can experience just alone with retirement, because that's just you. You get injured and, you know, you have to figure it out on your own and you're still watching your teammates continue, like achieving their goals, um, participating in the environment. And that is really tough. Um, Another thing, though, about, you know, normal, normal retirement or just kind of expected retirement is that there's a lack of sympathy there. I think some people believe, oh, you know, you had to have known your career was going to end like so, you know, just move on. Right. Like, I think people outside of sports are there's a lack of like for an injury. They're like, oh, like I'm so sorry. Like that wasn't supposed to happen. But for planned retirement, um yeah, there there isn't as much of like understanding for how powerful that can how powerfully that can impact an athlete. It's still a huge part of life stepping away from something that took so much of their time and was genuinely a, a passion of theirs uh, that they can't continue. Um. So yeah, I think there's uh, a lot of different factors playing into both uh, forced and unforced. But overall, is is you know a very challenging time in an athlete's life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, kind of touching on the forced retirement piece, right? It there's probably many, many reasons why people would choose to retire, feel like they're forced to retire, whether it's through a physical injury. But something that I'm noticing more today are Athletes stepping away from the sport through or for mental health reasons. Do you think that stepping away for mental health reasons is viewed in the public eye the same way as stepping away due to an injury in the sense that it's, you know, a factor out of your control?
1: Definitely not. Um, I think the stigma against mental health in general is real and sports is even realer. Um I think <clears throat> people don't understand sometimes. Um something they can't see in like, you know, something that needs attention that they cannot see for an, for an injury. Like, okay, visibly it looks like, you know, you definitely need to step away, but for mental health, it's like, that's that only they can know, uh, what they need. Uh, and so people have a hard time recognizing that as a valid reason to step away. Um, but it hundred percent is, um, the mental health is just as important as physical health. And if you feel that you are lacking in that area, That is a completely valid reason to step away from anything in your life, Mm -hmm. especially with sports when there's so much at play and requires so much of your attention. If you don't feel like you're 100% there, uh, all of those issues can be exacerbated um, because you feel like you're not performing how you want. um, And it's not due to anything physical. It's due to something blocking you mentally. Um, and stepping away and, and, you know, finding that time to heal and coming back is only makes you stronger. Um, that is a huge, only something that someone should be proud of, uh, that they valued their their worth and their needs over something that is something that they're supposed to be enjoying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think, like you said, right, you said it best. It It's something that only you yourself knows you know, the battle you're going through. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it so difficult because other people don't see it. And a lot of the times, you know, when you're a young college student, 19, 20 years old, sometimes people, you know, see them as, I mean, full grown adults. Yeah, legally, they're adults, but at the same time, they're, you know, maturity wise, there's plenty to grow. So, (laughs) you know, in terms of, like you were saying, right, like the public eye views, there's a there's a stigma with mental health in the public eye. Mm-hmm. Do you think that as well, like in the locker room, um, you know, with your teammates, and things like that, if someone were were to step away due to mental health, that there is that stigma as well, in, in the locker room?
1: I would say so. Um, because it's kind of, <clears throat> n- number one, just in our general society, and kind of like trickles down. Um, I've met a lot of coaches who, you know, are rooted in more like traditional mindsets and the me- mental health wasn't really a, a topic back then. It was definitely um, more quiet. So I think sometimes that can come from a coach uh, and permeate through a team. And so and with that being your role model and your, your leader, uh, sometimes athletes can take on that perspective mm-hmm. and just think, you know, to be strong is to push through, to be strong right. is to, you know, take whatever I'm dealing with, you know, push it down far enough so that I can continue doing this at a high level. Um, so absolutely, yes, that is, I think that is present um, within the peers and teammates and all of that.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, just from my own experience, right? I mean, there's, you have coaches and people kind of saying, you know, oh, they're just being soft or, you know, it's, they're just faking it to get attention, things like that. You know, I, I just think that those are just really damaging, not only to like, the people or the person that you know is involved but even to just the movement of recognizing these you know mental health and the in the importance of it i right. think if we really downplay this you know we're just we're setting up not only our generation but future generations for failure but
1: 100 percent, yeah
0: but yeah so um just kind of thinking about the negative factors that come into play with retirement um you know what do you think or from your research and understanding, what are typically the biggest issues that retired athletes tend to face when they retire?
1: Yeah. um, I would say definitely loss of identity Mm -hmm. Um, with something that requires so much of your time and attention. um, And when retirement comes and you have to make that, that hard cross from doing it all the time to not doing it all at all that forces athletes to fill their time in a whole new way. It's not like they, you know, there's an easy, like, okay, I'll do it like two times a week to one times Mm -hmm. a week. It's not like a a gentle transition. It's hard cut. You know, you are no longer doing this sport. Um, And with the amount of time they spend and also the pressure that's involved with that, that often their sport becomes their identity during that time. Um, I like to think of the phrase that we often hear in sports, like you need to give this your all, like you need to give 100%. Um, And that becomes very literal. Um, I've experienced that firsthand where I heard that and I'm like, Absolutely. To succeed, I need to give every single percent of myself to this sport, my mind, my time, my body. Um, So, of course, that it became everything that I, you know, defined myself as. And so when you retire, um, you often didn't even prepare to not have sports. You didn't prepare for a next career. You didn't prepare for, you know, developing yourself as a whole human being with like multiple avenues of, you know, passion and all that good stuff. Um, so it is a hard drop off into kind of starting from square one, uh, you literally clean slate, um, need to have a whole new perspective on yourself. Um, so that's, that's an incredibly overwhelming.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, just, I, curious too, because identity is a term that I think at least for me it is pretty subjective in the in the sense that it means something different to everybody, right, but at the same time though, it's also kind of something that we have been thinking of on a daily basis, right whenever we want to go i don't know do something for example, that is something that we are expressing ourselves in, whether it's you know for example. Playing a sport, right? We're doing something that we love. We're doing something that we choose to do, whether it's go, I don't know, to a concert, right? We're choosing to do something that we enjoy in expressing ourselves. Now, do you think that athletes, when they retire, they really truly struggle trying to express themselves in other avenues, such as, I don't know, whether it's music or writing? Is there an issue with that? Or do you think that they, themselves are able to find, I don't know, like that next kind of avenue for them?
1: I think for athletes, many of them don't realize how competitive they are in terms of an applicant for any job that they want to do, as well as like how well off they can be in any endeavor that they choose to pursue. Um whether that is music and, and something like that, um, or whether that's, you know, becoming a marketing agent, a recruiter, or whether that's um becoming a coach. Um I think it we we don't often take a second to realize I'm a good athlete because I'm determined, mm-hmm. I'm creative, I'm a team player, I'm resilient. All of those things are not just athlete like qualities. That those are life qualities. Those are I'm a I'm a good person. I'm gonna do you know well in life qualities. Um and you can take those and you can just put that wherever you want to put those. Um and so I think there's no there's no cap on the um potential an athlete has after their sport. Honestly, there is exponential potential because they already possess so many qualities and spent so much time honing those qualities, um, in a focused way, um, that, you know, sky's the limit. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of, like you said, like these are life qualities, how important is like perspective, right? Because to me that's perspective. It's all about, you know, you either have like the first person view or you have that outside body perspective, Right. You know how? I guess how can athletes? I guess sort of switch that perspective. Is it just like a conscious decision, or is it something that they have to put into practice?
1: Love that question. Um, totally putting into practice. It is definitely not like a oh, like I'm going to decide to you know look outside mm-hmm. myself. It's definitely a a skill in itself. Um, but I think w- is huge. Um, because it, it it's not like you have to go like, leave sport and change your whole persona and change your whole, you know, life. It's kind of just realizing how far you've come and what you already have and utilizing that to your advantage and growing. Like you said, is just a change in perspective.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think that comes with, um, <clears throat> being able to be in the moment and be present um and in utilizing your time in a way that is fulfilling for you and also like varying like multifaceted so for example, um you know, in my journey to like better my mental health, better myself, I uh realized that I was taking track off the track. I would go home and be making dinner' be talking with roommates, and all I would talk about was track all I would think about was track um and then I kind of started to try once I leave the track we're done track was there track is done I go home I make my dinner I talk with my roommates I um take a walk I cook I I draw I read and it's about those hobbies it's about that social interaction and I am fully immersed in those Uh, and from there I started to have so much more peace of mind um and felt just like more you know more open space to think just in general. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's about being that mindfulness piece, that being present piece, um, that really allows like the perspective to like hit you and like come in. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah. And then, um, you mentioned like of having other hobbies, right? Like you said, reading, and I think you said writing as well. Um, you know, those are all, I think, super important because, just same for me as well. When I when I played sports, when I played football in college, it was pretty much, I lived with my teammates, right? And anything I was doing outside of school or um, football, it was hanging out with my teammates. And it's, it's good to have that social group, but at the same time though, that's all you think about constantly is football. That's all we mm-hmm. talked about was football. And yep. whenever we were done, it was We were, I don't know, for example, playing video games together, still talking about football, and it was just constantly reinforced over and over and over again. So, you know, for me, when I was trying to figure out how to live in the moment, right, how to be present, it wasn't just so much, you know, making that decision and saying, I'm going to be in the present, Mm -hmm. because when I tried to just do that, it was it was difficult it was way too difficult to like, just, you know, actually practice it. So, you know, it's all about actually doing things. And I think actually, I don't know how to explain it, actually enjoying what's happening.
1: Right, right. (laughs) And,
0: you know, you bring up reading and writing as, you know, two, two hobbies that you kind of pull that mindfulness out of you. But you know like are there other things perhaps like i don't know um for me it was uh, practicing 10 minutes of mindfulness whereas like meditation right yeah do you think meditation is helpful too like do you think you know if i was somebody that just retired that i should just start picking up mind- mindfulness meditation or should i try to do something else like a hobby
1: totally and thank you for bringing that up yeah that's a huge piece um yeah i'm a big big advocate for some meditation. Um, mm-hmm. I started doing that when I got injured um, <clears throat> and just kind of like trying to, it was mostly to cultivate a more like positive mindset. Cause I had a, a lot of like negative self-talk going on. So that was kind of more to, you know, transition my, like what I, my inner narrative a little bit, um, but ended up having so many other benefits. Um, I live by the little Headspace app. Um, mm-hmm. Headspace app is incredible. There's just so many on there, but yeah, I think it—it's like it's like a skill, like any other. It's—it needs to be trained, just like you said. You can't just like choose one day that I'm going to be mindful. Mindfulness is definitely like a skill, like any other. Um, and I think going there's so many YouTube's YouTube meditations. Um, so many places you can find meditations now, um, and you'll be surprised at how like hard it is at first. I was like, what? Like, mm-hmm. you want me to you want me to be quiet and focus on the moment for like five minutes I like my mind is like racing so it definitely like being easy on yourself is at first with with meditation is is definitely huge um and you know letting it be a process a learning process um but yeah once once you get the hang of it and it becomes a part of your weekly daily routine um it is so nice because you know okay I have a, this designated time where I can just focus on breathing like that Mm -hmm. simple, where I can just focus on like, the sounds I'm hearing around me. Um, Because that's basically the like premise of meditation is kind of quieting your mind and taking a second to just sit and like, recognize what's happening with your body what's happening around you. Um, But yeah, totally, that is a huge way to to hone that in and, and practice that skill.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you, you say that it's in your daily routine. I'm curious, what was that like whenever you went from a routine or structure of, you know, track, school, to now it's in my hands to figure out what I'm going to do with my day? How was that transition like?
1: Yeah, definitely tough. Um, especially just, I am definitely like a go-go-goer. Um, just in general, my kind of life motto is like, seize the day. Um So it definitely was tough coming, especially coming home and just not really having like anything, you know, set up for me Um, or even like just a workout plan. I love working out and I love to exercise, but like approaching that again without sport was weird Um, Mm -hmm. and definitely took some trial and error uh, to figure out, okay, what can I do now given like the injuries of my past and, you know um what i want to avoid what i want to go towards um so that's definitely a process in itself and um it can be fun cuz you get to be like oh i can do exactly what i want to do in the weight room now or like i i can just not even go in the weight room and just run forever um but yeah so that's definitely a journey um <clears throat> i think i've tried to phrase it in my head as like an opportunity to explore myself more and nail down my self-care routines um instead of thinking oh like now I have all this time to think about how sad I am to be gone which is so valid um I do make time for that as well uh to just be like dang like this is a sucky day without without track um so I definitely I think that's key too and I have been trying to do that as much as I can just validating that that bummerness of it all and um leaving room for you know to be sad um but also like after that, being like, oh, I have so much more time to, like, realize, like, okay, what kind of diet do I want to go f- go for? Like, what kind of foods do I want to eat? I now have, like, time to cook those foods and, you know, get fancy with that. Um, and also the job application process. Like, not really – not rushing myself too much. Kind of taking the time to explore, like, all the jobs and um, the ins and outs and just kind of what – how my – skills and values align with it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to do. Um, but definitely taking it day by day is, Mm -hmm. is been a huge help.
0: Absolutely. And one of the things we talked about was cooking, right? And I think that for me, at least food and the way that, um, eating was viewed was just like a fuel source, right? It was a way to, um, keep it going, uh, helped maintain weight, right? For us, we had uh, weigh-ins every week, so we had to maintain a weight, certain body fat percentage, and food was viewed in that sense. Now, do you think that, you know, food, or at least eating, is viewed a little differently to you, at least? Or did you feel like it didn't change? How do you, yeah, like, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, um, I, it definitely has changed. So, I went from being a runner in high school to a thrower, in college Mm -hmm. and I was a a tiny little guy coming into, coming into college. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I was told, you know, you better get beefy quick. I was also, I'm also pretty like height wise, small. So, um, it was additional thought in my mind, like, Oh man, like I gotta be the strongest one in this room. Uh, if I want to stand up to the people who are like twice my height. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it was like definitely fuel. Like I needed to get as much protein as possible. Um, three protein shakes a day, um, like absurdly large meals, um, compared to what I used to eat, um, uh, which was honestly super fun for me for a while. Um, I was like, oh yeah, like I get to eat so much and like mm-hmm. just kind of do all this stuff. Cause that's in high school. Like, I don't know that it was just not, that was not how it was for, for me. Um, and so, yeah, that was definitely like food was fuel, fuel. I mean, food was going to make me a good athlete. Like it was definitely part of the regiment. Like that was, you know, part of being an athlete. Um, Now, I, I do kind of miss that in a way, just kind of like being able to just eat so much and then, you know, know that I was going to use it in the weight room and like transition it to uh, better marks. Um, Because now it's definitely transitioned to more like, okay, what is going to make me feel good um and some more definitely more balance uh is now kind of what i'm looking at um and kind of incorporating foods um i'm kind of passionate about like anti-inflammation because i believe that ties into uh mental health physical health uh i dealt with a lot of inflammation chronic inflammation uh, with track and sports, uh, that kept me from being able to perform at a high level um, or the level I wanted to. Uh, so I have kind of cultivated an anti-inflammatory diet in a way, and have kept up with that ever since um, track.
0: Um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, I'm actually curious though, uh, just because I I really enjoy that stuff too. In terms of, um, you know, food is really in essence like the building blocks, not only for us, but, um, just for overall happiness, I'd say too. Mm -hmm. So what, yeah, what is, what is that? I guess your, I don't know, your meal plan or like your athlete's plate now, like what does that look like?
1: Yeah. Um, so I kind of did, I'm, I'm no, by no means like a nutritionist or a scientist, but I did do some of my own research, uh, on kind of what foods decreased inflammation. Um, And for, like, for example, some of them are, like, sweet potatoes, um, like, dark leafy greens, uh, Mm. lentils, um, what else, um, chickpeas, interestingly Mm. enough, um, stuff like that, um, but I definitely value, um, like, fresh food, obviously that's easier said than done, it's hard to access, Mm -hmm. like, organic fresh food all the time, um, but I just started a garden. Um, so I am utilizing that. And also another hobby that I've come to love. Um, but yeah, a lot of fruits and and vegetables. Um, we have, um, tomatoes, apples, uh, kale, arugula, all, all growing. And I, eat that every day. I'm definitely a fan of routine as well. I'm a creature mm-hmm. of habit. So I do eat the same thing every day. <laughs> but <laughs> I, and I understand if people in general like to switch it up. I totally get that. Uh, for me, I have um, a smoothie every morning, mm-hmm. um, blueberries, bananas, hemp milk. Um, hemp seeds are really good because they have omega-3s, which are that mm-hmm. I feel like that's always tossed around and like what's good for you but the fatty acids so good for your brain. Uh, so I have hemp seeds or help milk, hemp milk every morning. Um, obviously the antioxidants from, uh, blueberries. Um, and then I also throw a little matcha powder in there. Um, cause for the, a little bit of caffeine, but also I, mm-hmm. I love matcha. And also like the L-theanine in matcha is good for like focus. Um, and also anxiety as well. So I love to kind of, uh, sprinkle that in there. um, and collagen too, uh, just for protein. Um, and so that's the morning, uh, midday I'll have a big salad, loaded salad, like, and I'm a big advocate, like more toppings, less lettuce, like nothing against lettuce, but like, you know, I like the toppings more. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'll just throw tomatoes, sweet potatoes, uh, it'll be kale, um, avocado on there. Um, and you know, toss it all together, usually chicken or chickpeas on there. Um
0: get that protein in there.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Dinner, yeah, dinner varies. Usually usually fish Fish is what I go mm-hmm. for. Fish and like um some type of vegetable. But
0: yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I would say that uh just from you know my experience, first of all, that is a really, really good routine you have. But second of all, um just give some background, I played offensive line and seeing other offensive linemen who I played with, but also just knowing others' journeys as well, you tend to kind of either go down two pathways when you retire. It's either you lose all the weight that you gained um, through just forced eating and things like that, or mm-hmm. you maintain those habits and you continue gaining weight, dealing with weight loss, th- or trying to you know, push through weight loss, but not able to do so and i think that really like you said it kind of just comes down to routine and structure and do you think at least from your you know your experience that other sports may have that issue as well i know that you only played track in college but just from your peer group and things like that have other sports mentioned that issue as well
1: yes um definitely and i think having a nutritionist in an athletic department is a huge asset. I know uh, many programs do, but many programs do not. We did not have a nutritionist. Um, and I think that is just such an awesome resource. Um, because often we, especially like going to college and leaving home, uh, leaving somebody, you know, who could cook for you. Oftentimes, um, you don't really know what to put in your body. Like, and sometimes it's kind of like, Oh, I can have cereal for every meal. Like it just, sometimes it goes that way. Um, but there's so many foods that can taste amazing and also are super good for you. Um, so yeah, I think it definitely is a wide issue um, in terms of like what what to eat, what to eat after. Um, right. Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, and then you talked about how you know you could possibly utilize a nutritionist at your your school, but do you think that perhaps maybe a lot of athletes that retire may feel a little awkward or perhaps, you know, reluctant to go back to the resources they had at their school
1: at all. Totally. Um, Yeah, 100%. I feel like they definitely can feel like, oh, I left the school, so thus I'm no Mm -hmm. longer a part of the the school. Like I am, you know, I have to be moving on. Like if you go back, it can feel like, oh, I'm, you know – I'm like stuck. When in reality, mm-hmm. that's always going to be a community you can go back to. That is that place cultivated you. Those like the administration, the leaders, you know, helped you grow, and they would only love to see your face again. In reality, um, and can always mm-hmm. be a resource. I think. Um, so yeah, I think going back to a nutritionist, if you had one, um, mm-hmm. is, they would. I feel like they would love to. To show you how to have sustainable habits that take you beyond your retirement.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I know you talked about how you know some people may not have someone that can cook for them, right? So it's sort of you have to take it on your own initiative.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But kind of speaking to the point, right? Like sometimes you do have you know those people in your corner that you could um, confide with or speak with or you know uh, be able to at least have someone that understands where you're coming from do you have like that support system at all? And I'm not really saying, you know, like friends or peers, but I don't know, perhaps like parents or other mentors as well that you look up to?
1: Absolutely. Um, My mom has been the most incredible mentor. Um, I'm extremely blessed to have basically a saint as my mother. Um, She has been a huge role model and supports me like every step of the way. So um. Yeah, it was incredible to be able to talk to her about all the stuff I was going through through college. She helped me get in contact with um any of the resources and and general help that I might need. Um. Yeah, she was huge, and I think definitely at at the same time the um group I created for the sports psych mm-hmm. um the group of administration, uh, the athletic trainer, the uh, academic advisor. Um, they were also huge mentors um and I think just general kind of um guidance into okay, how can this endeavor that you're doing apply to a future career um and definitely help me help me with that transition as well as with kind of how much I had on my plate at the time
0: That's really good and I think it's huge to have you know that that good connection with your mother and and i I think that we always need someone like that in our corner for sure. Mothers, mm-hmm. they're, they're saints. And, you yeah. know, like you said, <laughs> it's a total blessing. Um, and I, I will say too, you know, it's, I, I think that having that person, right, is super important. But at the mm-hmm. same time, though, I also feel like there's other people out there that may not be, um, they may not have the opportunity to engage with their parents in that manner. Or maybe they may not have someone like that at home they can, I don't know, interact with that way. Um, I guess like what are other resources or I guess available, um, um, I guess groups out there that you can think of that um, athletes can reach out to.
1: Totally. Um, I think. There's, like you said, so many people out there with a lack of community and lack of of resources at their disposal, um, and that can be really challenging um, and, like, perpetuates isolation that can come with retirement especially. Um, I think kind of knowing um, that someone else out there is going through the same thing that you are is huge in itself and can do a lot. Um, So I think kind of looking into and looking for people who are, in a similar boat that you are. And I think that's why, for example, this, this group is going to be huge. So, cause I feel like an athlete could go on Instagram or, you know, any social mm-hmm. media page and type in, you know, retired athletes, just kind of like a general little thing to, to see what pops up. Um, and they're going to come to this page and, you know, be able to reach out and see like a community and be potentially connected to other resources. Um, So I think that's huge. Um, I do, I currently volunteer for the hidden opponent, um, mental health nonprofit. So that's a big one as well. Huge community there. Um, definitely a place for an athlete who is struggling to go and, um, and reach out. Um, I know in this, in the hidden opponent, there's, um, a program called the campus captains, uh, where there's a, a captain at a a lot of universities across, across the United States um, who kind of represent the hidden opponent and what they, what they speak for. Um, And so maybe finding that person at a, at a nearby campus and maybe they're at your campus uh, and getting in touch that way uh, can be, can be a good resource. Um, But even, even creating your own group could be really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you feel like there's an, a need for resources in your community or just with your own self, like starting a group is a good, is also a good place to start if you feel confident to do so.
0: Absolutely. And I will say too, that, you know, speaking on the idea of starting your own group, it, I think that a lot of athletes, because we are, I would say, very like achievement oriented and, and focused that we may think that, Oh, this isn't going to blow up. It doesn't, it's not going to be impactful in any way. Well, I would encourage them, hey, you know, start thinking maybe a little smaller at first and think about just impacting just one person, you know, at least just a little bit and then maybe maybe grow from there. Um, You know, that's kind of like how, even though this is super, super small, really small, at the same time, (laughs) you know, it started with uh, working with former teammates of mine from high school that went to go play in college, not together, but um, other people that, had the same experiences and were feeling the same way as me and i just think that being able to find just that one or two people is huge but you know i think something else you touched on as well just kind of switching gears here was like the the career aspect right you talked about job applications and and things like that do you think whenever college athletes retire that they feel that they're um i don't know a little behind everyone else than, than, like, I don't know, their peers that weren't athletes?
1: 100%. Uh, with how much time we put into our sports, uh, that mm-hmm. leaves little room for uh, career expo- exploration because our sport was our career at the time and right. and was our job. Um, I know I definitely felt like at the beginning of college, um, I was seeing my, you know, friends be like, Oh, I'm going to be a doctor or I'm going to be a vet. And we, they were on that track in school academically. Um, and me, I was like, I have no idea. I'm, I'm a track athlete. Like I do javelin. (laughs) Like I don't, I don't have any mindset for, um, for what's going to happen after. And, and that made it super scary to think beyond track. Uh, and that's where like the anxiety comes to play. Um, like it felt like I was limited, uh, to looking like only at the now because the future was so unknown. Um, so yeah, I totally think that, uh, that's a huge thing that athletes can struggle with, but, um, I don't see why we can't start thinking about that earlier. And Mm -hmm. even if we don't have the time for it, just the, the mental space for it. I think academic counselors, um, who are working with athletes, I think it would be great if they could be like, Hey, let's just have a conversation about what you like to do. Um, let's have a conversation about, you know, your set. Um, just start that ball rolling, just like start a conversation there. So then you can go through like go through like your four years of college and be coming in contact with things. And you're like, you know what, like I could, I could do that. Like I could try that. Um, just because you opened your mind to th- that opportunity of like, Oh, what can I do beyond track or what can I do beyond my sport? Um, So just opening the conversation, like your summers, um, if you do have those available Mm -hmm. to you, trying new things. Um, I was a camp counselor for two summers. I absolutely loved it. I think sometimes we feel like, oh, like I need to get an internship in, you know, finance over the summer and (laughs) like have this very, you know, strict job. It's like, no, you do not. <laughs> you yeah. you can do whatever you know. Like obviously, if if you need money to sustain sustain yourself, definitely look for a monetary opportunity. But do something fun. Do something you like. That that being in college is the time to explore and trial and error. Uh, you're not tied down to any career. Um, and that honestly, it helps just as much to try something and hate it because mm-hmm. now you know. Okay, that you know that's not me. That's those are the things I don't want to do and gets you closer to what you value, closer to what you enjoy. Um, So, yeah, I think it's definitely uh, it can be an issue going on retirement because the conversations are not even had yet uh, Mm -hmm. when you're forced to leave. Um, And I think starting those conversations earlier and starting to do some, you know, healthy and, you know, more fun exploration can be super beneficial.
0: Absolutely. So you mentioned that you, you know. I'm inferring from what you were saying that you didn't really think about, you know, what life would look like after you're done playing track or throwing the javelin. Mm -hmm. So in that case, did you not have like any coaches or perhaps like other advisors, things like that to ask that question and maybe challenge you?
1: No. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And to no, to no fault to anybody else, um, I think everybody was just like, you know, let's focus on, you know, what we have right here. Um, and the academic talk was more about like, how are you doing in your classes and kind of like, you know, are you getting through it and kind of more focused on like the major itself, uh, and getting through it. Um, so yeah, Mm -hmm. there was definitely, I felt a lack at least in my community on connecting the now to lifelong, um, you know, passion, lifelong interest. I think we could have easily done both at the same time. And if there was an inquiry from an academic advisor or a coach of like, you know, like, what do you self, what do you see yourself doing like after that, or like, what do you want to be when you grow up? But like those silly like questions. Mm-hmm. I think that it would be would have gone a long way, basically.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, just kind of speaking on to that that idea, right of um, just even be able to think about what I'm gonna do, right? That just even asking yourself that is huge. But I guess what is like, what do you recommend to those that perhaps you know they get asked that question, but maybe they're a little too scared to think about it? How would you get yeah. over that that fear or like that anxiety of the future?
1: Totally, uh, de- I definitely have been there, and I think. Um... My strategy was kind of taking it one step at a time. Um, So, and kind of starting with myself, um, Mm because if I'm scared about the future and I'm scared about what next, it's you, it's probably because I don't really know, um, you know, what I could potentially be doing. You know what I mean? I have Mm -hmm. you, I don't see myself in that future. Um, So I started with kind of just self exploration. Um, I kind of, looked at my past experiences and pulled from those. Okay. What was I good at? What did I like? Um, and took those and kind of did like a little search of like, okay, what could these apply to? Um, Mm -hmm. at that time I was like, okay, I know I like working with kids. I know I like being outdoors. I I know I like being active. And I started there and then that's what led me to the camp counselor job. Um, And then after that, I kind of did another inventory and, and, you know, got another job that next summer. Um, It kind of like a a constant kind of check in with yourself of like, of like, okay, what have I done so far? Um, What have I liked about it? Um, And that more than just giving that, giving you a sense of security about the future, that'll just give you a sense of security about yourself and just, and kind of assure yourself, oh yeah, I know who I am. I, you know. I feel equipped to make decisions about my future because, you know, I've already had so many experiences and I know what, what I'm good at. Um, so I think, yeah, starting kind of with yourself, looking inward, a little exploration of how far you've come and then, um, taking it one step at a time can be, can be good and kind of starting with something that sounds fun to you first, um, purely going based off that and then kind of work yourself into, um, you know an idea about the future from there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's it's huge to like you said in a way like check in on yourself because this may sound a little confusing at first, but to me I see it as a way of like strengthening your confidence. And mm-hmm. the reason why I say that is because for me at least taking the time to kind of explore my interests, explore what I, you know, what I was passionate about it made me realize you know deep down like, what my values are what i believe in and it really affirms those those parts of you and you know this whole process the, the way i like to describe it in terms of an analogy is it's like you're in one giant puzzle and you have to piece yourself together and when you retire your puzzle is somewhat formed but then it's like you drop the box and you have to start all over again <laughs> so that's sort of, you know, how I viewed it, at least for me. But, you know, other people, at least I know, they, you know, they have a, a little better experience. But in terms of, you know, for those that maybe like me or others that had a very rough going at the beginning, uh, mm-hmm. you know, other than thinking about a career, thinking about what you want to do, what are some things that I can do to prepare uh, for retirement?
1: Yeah. I love that analogy too. That is so good. Dropping the puzzle and putting it back together. I think that's so accurate cuz the pieces are there. Like you're not lost. Mm-hmm. Like you still have all those components. You just got to remind yourself of them and put them in the right order to find what you want to do. Uh so I love that. Um I think beyond kind of more like career search and kind of that specific self self search, um I think a great way to prepare for retirement is dialing in kind of what I mentioned earlier, dialing in your self-care routine. Um, because we know retirement is hard and it's going to be hard no matter what, no matter how prepared you are. Even if you have a a great job lined up after school and you're super passionate about it, you're still going to be sad that you're losing track. It's still going to be a transition. Transitions are hard. Um, so I think setting up a good routine for yourself beforehand is going to go a long way um, because then you'll have that Structure to fall back on of like okay i I know I'm sad, I know I'm struggling, mm. um but I know that I can journal and write down exactly what I'm feeling to kind of get it out of my brain and onto paper. um, I know that I can see a therapist if I choose to um and talk it out with somebody who kind of knows the ins and out ins and outs of like trauma and also transition anxiety. Um, I can prioritize sleep and eating mm-hmm. healthy because I know that when I sleep well, I feel well. And when I eat well, I feel well. Um, I know that I can like talk to my friends more. Um, I know that I can set plans up with them like super in advance and maybe super often to make sure that I'm staying connected with the people around me. Um, That one is huge. And I did that. I, I was all up in my friend's business after, after leaving. um, <laughs> And made sure I had something on the agenda, you know, very frequently. So if, you know, something came up, I had I had that time I knew I was going to go see somebody that I loved who loved me and I could just have a chat or we could just forget about it all and go on a hike um or have dinner. Um so I think that's mm-hmm. a huge part of self-care. Um yeah, I think I think those are are the ones that I, you know, uh dove into and um can be huge. And I think also just like getting touch with your younger self can be uh also a part of self-care beyond those kind of more regimented routines um do something kind of th- that you used to do when you were younger that you had time for that you lost time with the stuff you had going on for me that was that was drawing and reading um I used to draw all the time as a kid and I loved it and obviously it just with schedules it just fell off and so I started doing that again and that like it was it was surprising how like joyful that was that little kind of silly experience, uh, really, really what gave me like, kind of like, Oh, wow. Like this is so simple, but gave me, you know, so much escape and so much happiness. Um, I also think keeping up with exercise in any way that you see works for you and works with your schedule. If that's just taking a 30 minute walk every day, like something very low impact, um, and getting outside, definitely keeping that up is going to be good um, and will become a sustainable habit and be like very helpful, especially for mental health.
0: Absolutely. Um, I'm curious if, cause you talked about therapy. I'm curious if, have you ever heard of, um, it's something that I was introduced to um, early in my uh, retirement. It's uh, shadow work through like um, your child, inner childhood, right? Your inner child. I think that uh a lot of athletes I would say, you know, they in college or in their sport, perhaps with some trauma. And I would say that uh, you know, starting that as soon as possible, whenever like you obviously have the mental capacity and things like that is huge. Uh just because you'd be surprised how much at least for me, I was surprised by how much I attained, you know, to the childhood version of myself and how I would to, you know, work through that. Um, you know, I would just say that for athletes being able to begin that early is, is imperative. Um, obviously there's different techniques, different, different, uh, philosophies that maybe work for other people, but at least for me, that that's what worked really well. So I guess, you know, yeah, yeah like for you, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I, I love that. I had like it's, it's so popular right now, all the, like the books mm-hmm. circling around on shadow work. And I love that term like shadow work and kind of like healing your inner child. Um, it's such a like nice way to say it um, versus like it's like getting over trauma and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but 1,000 percent. I was the type of athlete who utilized my sport to escape the trauma that I had experienced growing up. Um, that was, sports was my safe space. Sports was my time to, you know, work really hard and kind of like <clears throat> get out all the, you know, the frustration that I had had due to like childhood experiences, um, full transparency. I, my dad passed away when I was, when I was in high school. Um, and at the time, like, you know, when you're that young, you don't really know coping strategies or like the stages of grief or all any of that stuff, or at least mm-hmm. I did not. Um so my strategy was just to keep pushing. Um put myself into my sport, you know, be, you know, be the best I could there uh, cuz that's what I could control. Cuz obviously like trauma often is like you lose control, like it feels really scary. Um and so yeah, you like put you put the grief on hold and you keep going often in mm-hmm. athletics and uh after you retire it's a fantastic time to like get back to that grieving process. And I, personally, I don't think it's ever too late to grieve or ever too late to uh, recover from the trauma that you did when you were younger. It's never too late to stay, start that process. Um, yeah. And retirement with the time you have can be a huge opportunity to uh, revisit that. And like you said, kind of work through all the stuff that might be still lingering and mm-hmm. you didn't even know it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, first off, I just wanted to, you know, say, um, I'm sorry for your loss. And, you know, I'm just also very appreciative of you, you know, just talking about that openly here. And I think that, you know, obviously, there's other athletes that have trauma too. But at the same time, though, I think that hearing you say that is validating in a way for other athletes that may think that, you know, other people go through it all the time. It's normal. Well, just because it's normal doesn't necessarily mean that you can push it off or you should ignore it because deep down it's just going to fester and fester and fester. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm really glad that you talked about it's never too late to work on grieving. Um, And just from my own experience too, it never truly just goes away right in the sense that it it just never just, oh, you know, it's a flip of the switch. It's better now. Mm -hmm. It's a process, but at the same time though, it's, it's also, I would say, humbling and also maturing at least to me like that was my experience with it Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: like i said everyone's different everyone experiences things differently Mm -hmm. but yeah um that's i would say that's pretty much you know overall that's all i had uh for today but you know whether it was anything else that you wanted to you know discuss or any, any final comments
1: I don't think so. I think that was fantastic yeah. conversation and honestly got into a lot of stuff I, I you know, didn't even realize myself. <laughs> um, I, I benefited from that. So no, I think that was everything. That's
0: awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we talked uh, about these these issues. But, um, you know, we, we always come in here, at least for me, I come in with the game plan, right? Um, just kind of, you know, uh, relating to my, you know, college experience. It was like, any game you had a game plan going in but mm-hmm. sometimes you have to adapt and I would say today you know I came with the game plan but it's just that we started talking about different things and there were just you know so many avenues we could have taken and it was just very interesting you know I, mean, I felt like we could have probably gone on more but
1: yeah um, just... no for sure
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so all right well if you made it this far I truly appreciate you for tuning in And like I said, this was the very first episode of this podcast and we look to bring more valuable content to all of you out there. And as a host, I'm going to continue getting better and improving. So please just bear with me. This is going to get better. So
1: again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Hope you all have a great rest of the day.